0: Recording?
1: Yeah, recording.
0: This is Mom's Basement Podcast, episode 49. It's almost 50 edition.
2: Yep. <laughs> Where we get to an- answer the most important question. Let's Yeah.
0: What? <laughs> yeah. Wait, what's the question? <laughs>
2: Lay sigh, question mark, question mark,
0: question. Oh, lay sigh. I thought you said Versailles. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you got a treaty for me to sign? Yeah.
2: Anyways, there you go. There's a question, which is no okay. question at all. I was going to make a Steve Austin reference because of glass shattered. Oh, yeah. Can we break glass? <laughs> That's
0: the question. Can we break, Can Here we go. break glass? There you go. And the second question is, is Alex going to edit that in post-production to make it sound like he's way smoother than he actually
2: is? Of course I am.
0: (laughs) Okay, so um, today we're going to be talking about David Artman's um, LARP system, GLASS, uh, Generic Live Action Simulation System. And we're also going to follow that with a discussion about unsafe play. Gaming without a a net, motherfucker. Okay. But but before we jump into all of that, and I like the fact that Alex is now doing some editing, because that means I can stutter all I want, and it goes away magically when I listen to the episode. (laughs) But... (laughs) Uh, before we jump into all of that, any personal announcements? Any apologies?
2: <laughs> nah.
0: No. No apologies. Nah.
2: I'll, I'll make another. I'll, I'll make an announcement here. Um, okay. I'll stop being. I'll stop editing so much, so that way, because I finally realized the more I edit, the more you guys just fuck up on purpose. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. That we do, You thought we didn't give a shit before? Now that we know someone will come behind us and clean up our mess, I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean, fuck.
2: But anyways, yeah, that's that's all I had to
0: announce. Okay. Alright. Rudy? Anything to say? Nope. Got a new man crush? Not really. No? You're celibate this week? Yep. Okay. Well, I, I don't fucking have anything to say. So let's jump right into Glass, then. Okay, a little um, warning, I guess. A little note of caution before we begin. You have three guys who have never LARPed before reviewing a LARP system right now. <laughs> I mean, we've done Garage never LARPed LARP. officially. Yeah. We've done Mom's Garage LARP, which maybe we'll talk about when we talk about unsafe gaming. Uh, but we've never been to a larp convention we've never been to a big public organized larp so we're not we don't have that much knowledge about the uh customs of larp i guess the guy the standard guidelines of larp so keep that in mind while we talk about this yes i
2: have larps before really yes heavy when i was six through the age of (laughs) ten
0: i knew something like this was coming Is this some the floor is lava shit you're talking about?
2: Exactly. There you go. We I've done. I think we've all done LARPing below the age of ten. After that, not so much.
0: Man, I was (laughs) doing. I started doing that when I could, as soon as I could get around on my own, and kept doing that until, uh, until today, (laughs) in one form or another, you know.
2: Yeah. After I, that, that's our experience, our you know, our limited experience of it. You know, we we've done LARPing without all the extra rules attached to it.
0: Yeah, and that's speaking of attaching extra rules to LARPing, that's really what Glass. Well, Glass doesn't set up, set out to add extra rules to LARPing. What Glass is trying to do is, and then, I think this is really interesting. Glass is attempting to establish a generic, almost GURPS-esque system for LARPs that can be used regardless of the genre, regardless of the, um, you know, the uh, environmental constraints, regardless of the type of characters that you want to play. And it's also attempting to create a LARP system that is based on physical talents and abilities you know, actual player skill. And not only just based on player skill, but based on using the actual skills you would use if you were actually doing these things. So if you want to hit someone with a, with a weapon, you have to hit them with the foam weapon. <laughs> you know, and if you want to hit someone with a projectile, you throw a back at them. Or if it's a... Uh, ranged spell you throw a beanbag at them Mm
3: -hmm.
0: and so i think that's cool uh i think it's it's a very ambitious goal definitely to have both a generic system which is always tricky to do and a system based on player skill which is always nearly impossible to do yeah and to have all of that be a larp too which means that everything is happening in real space in real time is 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 extraordinarily ambitious i think so we need to give dave artman points for that alone now how did you how did you feel about the game how, now we didn't actually play the game we need to make that clear we didn't get a chance to play test this because since mike departed we do all of our playing of games versus skype and since the rules of this are even more physical than the rules of most LARPs, we really couldn't play this. What we did do was spend a lot of time creating characters and uh, testing out the character creation system and the different ins and outs of that. So does someone want to start talking about that or about anything?
2: All right. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up was it was a tad bit confusing on, a, on creation because... When we started the uh, you know to try and test these things out to actually understand the rules, uh, I actually went through the book and I still didn't know what I was doing until you guys like you know highlighted oh this is where we're supposed to start and all that kind of stuff. It, it, it really wasn't that uh, structured. Mm. That was one problem it, that I had.
0: Yeah, or I'm not sure if it's necessarily a problem with the way that the design document is structured. I think there are moments when explanations are omitted from the document. Like, for example, scope may be a term is familiar to most people who lurp, but it wasn't a term I was familiar with. And I think it, it um, has to do with the, um, with the imaginary environment, with the world of the game, the in-game world, and what you can and can't do within it. But because scope... Scope gets mentioned a lot, but wasn't. Um, the way that scope functions in glass wasn't very concretely pinned down inside the document. And the different options for using scope, which get referenced, were never very well explained. So that was missing. And some of the bits and pieces for explanation how, uh, for example, there are abilities that you can use to buy up the level of your um, your core attributes mm. and the way that those abilities work and you can use disadvantages to let you buy up your attributes uh, for less of a price more cheaply and how that functioned wasn't clear we had a very long discussion argument at the beginning of the game about how that functioned in play and the manual really didn't make that very clear so there's definitely some editorial stuff that needs to happen here before the game is fully playable, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, one big problem I had with it was that you have to jump around a lot to the different sections to actually, like, the sections don't really go in order. Yeah. You have to jump around a lot when you're creating characters, but I guess that's, it wasn't too bad. I mean, it wasn't a, we but, were able to make characters and.
0: Right, have fun. and in fact, it ends with character creation, which is something that it could could have, or maybe should have begun with.
1: Yeah, I thought that was kind of bizarre too.
0: Right, maybe just you know your your basic the terminology stuff. They should all be front loaded, but after you get that out of the way, maybe open with a basic outline of what the steps of character creation are, like what appears at the end of the document. Put that at the front, so that when people are reading through the rest of the document, they have a better sense of what When you're telling them what attributes are and what abilities are, they're going to have a better sense of how those things fit into play and how those things fit into your character because you've already explained to them, you know, the different steps of character creation and explained to them. You've given them a sense for what their character is going to be, and then now they can move on to. Figuring out the particulars of it, and I think you almost need that because you're reading all these different definitions, all these different explanations, and you can't put that together into the bigger picture. It's very hard to take that and figure out how it all fits together as a whole without having that overview there, front loaded at the beginning.
2: Right. Yeah, that, that's what I was uh, trying. That's what I was trying to say uh, about my confusion in the thing because when I started from page one all the way down. Um, you know, it was a lot of information, but not a lot of guidance, um, in terms of like what I need to do to actually start playing it. And so it was a lot of, it was a lot of knowledge I had to know before I can actually get to the thing I wanted to, I actually wanted to know in order to, in order to, in order to use it right. with a lot of these, uh, character bit, ba- you know, design, uh, where the stats uh, affect what you can select from. I don't know what I need. I don't want to know the possibilities I can select from. First, mm. I want to know what 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 my starting goals, like, you know, the base set of like, okay, you, you get this much XP to start out with. Here are the disadvantages advantages to pick from. And uh, this is the base stat of how you mess with your stuff. And then afterwards, bam, tell me all the other add-on abilities. That way I actually, ha- I, I know the foundation because from page, you know, from going on from step one, I saw the ability stat first, and then mm-hmm. followed by a bunch of legalese going down of uh, stuff that I can do, uh, you know, select from. And then at the very bottom, I got to the actual character creation part. And so it was a, you know, it, the, the, the language of it, you know, it reads well. You can understand a lot of it. Once right. you get the ability and the character creation together, once those are read by themselves first, yeah. everything makes sense. But because there's this wall of text in between those two, it makes it to where it makes it hard for me to start character creation.
0: Right, and it would almost pay to read the manual sort of backwards, the way it's set up right now.
2: Yeah, that's what yeah. I was getting at in terms of it was it was hard for me to read anything. It was kind of it was pretty. The layout was confusing.
1: Yeah, I thought um, the language is. Was- Pretty clear uh, yeah. in most places. And one thing I like about it is that he has options for uh, the GM, like in with special, um, special characters in front of them. Like he's got yes. like for resurrection, he has an option like for that, and then it'll have five different ways the GM can do it. Right. And, he uh, calls them toggles. Toggles, really Which are yeah.
0: basically optional rules that you can integrate into play. Yep. Yeah, and another thing I liked is that he doesn't just use symbols to designate what the what the different options are, but because fundamentally everything in this game is optional. It's like GURPS, where this is sort of a buffet that you can pick and choose the parts that you want outside of the card rules. You can you know you can decide which abilities you want to integrate into play. You can decide. Uh, which you can decide what kind of genre you want to play it with. And you can decide which disadvantages are acceptable for characters to have. You can decide, you know, how much makeup they should be wearing and things like that. How, you know, and all these different bits and pieces that you that are all and are all cool. But, but back to the symbols, what I think is really cool here is he has symbols in front of different rules to designate almost the kinds of games they can and should be played in. Like, yeah. he has a bomb in front of rules that could potentially be unbalancing, you know? Yeah. In almost play-at-your-own-risk thing. But he also has special symbols for what he designates player priority versus world priority. And player priority is basically rules that make the ability for the players to control their own fate, player agency... Rules that put that at the forefront. Rules that uh, put what we would call back in the ISRP free-form role-playing games, freedom of destiny. Rules that put freedom of destiny at the forefront are indicated with a check mark. So these yeah. are rules that really empower the players. And rules that really, he calls world priority, but these are rules that really empower the GM, or that put the idea of... Um, well, he says... That ensure the versimil versimilitude of, of the game setting, but basically uh, rules that make re- put realism first, but really these are rules that put player agency last. In a lot of these cases, these are rules that like basically if you integrate this into the game, players are going to die more often, and they can be straight up killed by certain spells and things, and those are designated by the the null sign the circle with the with the line through it and I thought that was cool being able to look at a rule and see the null sign in front of it and be like okay so maybe players might get pissed off if I put this in the game because they'll say well my character got killed just like that and rules look being able to look and see oh there's a check mark in front of this rule my players might get a little bit out of control if I include this. You know, I'm giving I'm giving some of my GM authority to the players if I use this rule, and maybe I'm cool with that. Maybe I'm not. Mm-hmm. So
3: that's cool. Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, all, there were some good editorial choices here too. I guess is what we're saying. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I, I, yeah. It, yeah. Overall, it was it was very clear on the on the writing aspect, as in the words were clear. You could understand this what what they what he was trying to get at. But it was right. the uh, the organization. That's why that, that's all that was. There was just a little trouble in
0: the organization. So yeah. So let's talk about the system itself. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about this? And there are really two parts of this system, right? There's the parts that are resolved via player skill. Which basically means tap someone with a sword if you're trying to hit them, or touch them, and well, with a foam sword, you know, and throw a beanbag at them if you want to hit them. And there are other other things, but there's the you know physical actions to resolve physical situation stuff, and then there's the Gerpsy generic system for creating characters, which is built out of a bunch, built out of attributes which are basically your core ability scores, and then abilities, which are a bunch of things that your character can do, which are... Um, and then the abilities can be modified in lots of little little ways of adding advantages and disadvantages to individual abilities and things like that. It's very gurpsy, as I said, very, very gurpsy in the sense of having a bunch of modular options that you can stick together. So you have those two parts of the rules... Uh, which part do you guys want to tackle first? Uh, I was just going to say live action type stuff. Okay, let's tackle that first. How did you feel about that? How did you feel about the idea of throwing a beanbag to hit someone when you're trying to hit someone with someone with like a ray attack or with a, with a range spell?
1: I, uh, I like it because it basically takes all the cool stuff about dodgeball and gym class and makes it into a fun role-playing game.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and uh, I think he, he definitely has like a lot of rules for safety and stuff like that, right. but they're not overbearing. Yeah. Like you know, they don't take the fun out of it. Like I I've read some other LARP doc- docu,ment read some other LARP type documents, that, and some of them it, it seems like the rules for what you can do and how you can do it. Are like so oppressive. You know, oppressive, yeah. That it's difficult to see how it'd be any fun. Mm-hmm. But in this, like, even things that that change the way you have to move, like things that slow you down, it's pretty clear. Like, you know, you just slow down to a step or two steps or whatever. You know, it's not like stuff that um stuff that changes the way you know you interact in real life is pretty clear and it's not really oppressive to the play.
0: Yeah. And I think this would take a lot of the game comes to grinding halt stuff out of the game, mm-hmm. which is a annoyance in tabletop games. The moment when the role playing stops to adjudicate something, but which I imagine must be really fucking annoying when you're larping. Yeah. It's like, oh, let's all get out and jump out of character for a moment, put your foam swords down and adjudicate this. Or even break, since LARP is so much about immersion, to have moments that break from that must be really um, toxic to the game. And to have yeah. so to have ways to adjudicate things that are entirely based on the things that you were doing in the game already, I think really cool. Yeah.
2: When it comes to the actual physical point, I mean, there are a few things I thought were a little wacky. And that's just because, um, you know, he he wrote down some symbols, like, you know, some signals you have to use in order to uh, determine, like, you know, what's going on. Like, uh, you know, keeping your hand up at all, like one arm uh, out at all times if you wanted to um, shoot. What was it again? Um,
0: It was called ranging. Is that what you're thinking of?
2: Yeah, when you were doing ranging. Where you have
0: to put one hand up. The ranging, which I assume was like flying or levitating or something.
2: Yeah, like some of that was just a little wacky, but that's just because you you kind of have to do that for uh, for some of those things because you just can't put a sign up and go flying. Right. <laughs> Although you could, I would totally love to kind of have that kind of a game where right. instead of using like hand signals, you you used like a like a little board, like a flip board, you know, like you, like the golfers use to like uh, mess like the uh, the score count and all that kind of stuff. That would be freaking awesome to have like a like a ten like ten flips a ten page flipboard and then flip what you're doing each time and that will determine how fast you can activate them too.
0: I would love it if you could use like ropes, like in a stage production of Peter Pan and just <laughs> like, fly around. <laughs> I would love that shit, but I guess uh, that's kind of high cost, high risk for a LARPing. Uh, you know, in a high school gymnasium
2: or something. <laughs> well, basically what I was getting at is overall, because of that, some of those signal stuff, there's there's a little bit of memorization in that kind of aspect, but uh, you'll probably yeah. just memorize what abilities require you to do that. And so that won't be too big of a deal because you can just specialize in knowing two or three things instead of having to know everything at once. But you would have to know somewhat everything because you'll have to know what your opponent's doing, what, your, what, the, you know, what the foe is at the time. Because they can have symbols, you know, signals that you don't know what they do. Or you don't remember what they do.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. there. That will require some memorization. Luckily, there aren't really that many gestures in play. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one for invisibility. There's one for ranging. There's one for uh, being incorporeal. It's not called being incorporeal. I think it's called being immaterial. Uh, and, and there's a few others for, and then spells you can create your own gestures for, which is cool, by the way. Being able to create your own incantations and gestures for spells, as opposed to having them dictated to you, mm-hmm. is, I, I think would be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. But overall, that was my only my only big whoop, you know, in terms of um, in terms of saying for, for the game is. It's a little, it's a little goofy, you know, a little silly for some of the signals, but they're necessary for for a few yeah. of them.
0: Yeah. It's just
2: one of those things where if I actually played this game, I would probably be hesitant to actually use them.
0: Yeah, maybe I wouldn't, but <laughs> I'm not afraid to make an ass of myself. But I mean, I think in a situation like this, when everyone is already running around in costumes with foam we- weapons. I mean I think you're past the point where you can be like, "Man, I'm kind of afraid I might look goofy."
2: <laughs> I'm not afraid I look goofy. I'll be like, "Man, this is stupid." <laughs> as I'm as I'm doing it. You know, oh, you're like afraid that. it might
0: take you out of the game a little bit.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. I see. Yeah. I definitely
1: wouldn't be afraid to uh, to larp pretty much anything.
2: Mm-hmm. But like I said, it's I w- not it's not a fear. I just just Make sure that's clear. It's not a fear. It's just it's Uh, a knowing. It's kind of stupid.
0: Right. It's self being self conscious.
2: Yeah. It's yeah. I'm self conscious. I I understand.
0: What were you saying? I have very little pride anyway. So. (laughs) Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. So, anything else about the actual physical skill resolution? No,
2: overall, there's nothing much to it. It's just if you can do it, you can physically do it. And if you can't, you know, you shouldn't have probably tried to do it.
0: Do you think this is a case where the rules, I mean, it is a case where the rules are going to benefit the more physically fit people at, well, not at the table, but at the LARP? Is that an issue, do you think?
2: Well, it just means that people with beer guts are not going to be able to do as much as the people who are, you know, are thin as rails. Because I was going to say buff, but that's, that's, that's kind of like an oxymoron with most of us.
0: Right. And I guess a lot of this isn't going to be too physically demanding, really. I mean, I guess you might be running around a little bit. But being able to tap someone with a foam weapon really just requires a certain level of aim. Maybe speed is rewarded, really, more than anything else in these mechanics. Speed and um, hand-eye coordination, which I am atrocious at. I would get killed in this game. Like, literally, my character would be dead.
2: <laughs> well, that's why you would have to focus on getting a crap ton of XP in character creation and just having stare abilities.
0: <laughs> that's true. Just point at someone. I think I can pull that off.
2: Exactly. <laughs> I did like that with character, because I want to start talking about character creation now. I did like yeah, how okay. there was a bigger penalty for staring than it was for actual like physical swings and for throwing things was that it was a plus two instead of like uh you know, blah, blah, blah.
0: Yeah, it costs more to... A stare ability for people listening, by the way, basically means instead of throwing the beanbag at somebody, you point at them. And of course that's going to cost more because that's a lot easier to do. You basically guaranteed contact.
2: Yeah, so it it rewards hand-eye coordination and and physical abilities in terms of the uh, the, uh, character creation. If you want to be, you know, just sit in your uh, in your wheelchair and just, uh, you know, go pew 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 <laughs> with your with your hand lasers, then you're gonna have to pay for it.
0: Pay for it, pay dearly for it. So okay, we're, we've sort of transitioned into the crunchy bits, the mechanical bits here. So how did you guys feel about that? All
2: right, I feel that it is pretty darn easy to abuse this game if your GM does not put a foot down on um, some of the ridiculousness. Because it's just like GURPS, where if you if you actually read the rules for GURPS, you know, in terms of disadvantages and advantages, there are a lot of disadvantages you can use that won't really affect you too much and give you a crap ton of experience to yoke out your character. And I kind of made that point when uh, he asked us to just make characters you can break the game with. And I made myself basically a quadriplegic That um, can levitate instead of um, having to move normally and uh, shoot mine bullets that tire people.
0: And I I think that any good GM would say no, having your quad. The fact that your quadriplegic can legislate. My quadriplegic can legislate. Okay, I I must not make gabriel gifford's joke okay (laughs) (laughs) moving on the fact that you're any any good gm will say that the fact that you're quadriplegic which earned you 280 some xp Mm -hmm. bonus xp can levitate and move freely with the ranging ability uh no you know that's totally in contradiction with what those disadvantages are trying to accomplish you know and especially in a alarm where the whole point of those disadvantages is the profound effect they have on your ability to move around in a game where moving around is 90 percent of the game so i think any any gm any good gm would say fuck no well but yeah
2: oh, go ahead will no no i was about to say the counter to that is if all you have to do is just make a character that can stop mental abilities and then I can't levitate anymore.
0: That's true. That's true. I guess. Yeah, if you can figure out a way to do that with the rules. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess there's some... You do mention something, though, that I think is is important here. This is a game, like any generic game, and especially like any generic modular game, where a lot of impetus is on the GM to decide how to make the game balanced. Yeah. Or to preserve game balance, And that's not something I have a problem with, but it's something I could see people having a problem with. Moody?
1: Yeah, I'd like to see more, I guess, GM advice, but I guess that's a section he doesn't have done yet. Yeah. Um, you know, how the GM is actually supposed to uh, decide what's fair and what's, you know, crap. But uh, other than that, I thought um, I'd like to see more on items and props because um, there were there are rules in there for the, for items, um, but I wasn't sure how to apply the rules um, for abilities to items. That was a little unclear, mm-hmm. and uh, I wasn't able to make an item that I wanted to make basically. <laughs> But,
0: Which the, was the okay. phylactery or the bone lord?
1: My phylactery. Okay. But I'll get to the bone lord too. But um, basically, I was trying to make my lich character who, um, who has phylactery, and when he dies, his soul goes into that, and uh, he resurrects in, what is it, 1v4 days or something? And uh, I wasn't really sure how to do that with the rules as written, because resurrection, um, it didn't seem like I could put that on an item and if i could get it on an item it it would just be something like that i was holding or something that it wouldn't be like an item that i'd put somewhere else Mm -hmm. and then i go back to it when i die but uh but yeah that's the other point i was gonna make is uh vehicles i was just wondering are they allowed or are they uh i mean it doesn't really mention them at all
0: you in mean in-game vehicles, in-character vehicles?
1: In-character vehicles, yeah. Like, uh, I mean, can you ride around in, you know, can you ride around on a horse, or can you, uh, you know, can you ride on the back of an elephant? <laughs> can you have somebody, like, pick you up and carry you? <laughs> right. And, like, sit like that. I mean, they, they didn't really have anything like that, which I think could add some fun to the game. It add a little bit of danger, I guess, but I think
0: it could add some some fun to it yeah and i mean there's ways to do it without adding too much danger i mean you could basically have one of those stick horses you know and just put padding foam padding on the on the stick part of it yeah you you know the ones that are basically a rod with a horse's head on the end of it yeah something like that i think that would add some atmosphere to the game Mm -hmm. and add something to the world because let's face it how you get from place to place is really important in fantasy worlds or in any, in all of these genre games, being able to be like, I'm riding my spaceship or I'm riding my <laughs> magnificent spe- steed or I'm riding my beetle, you know, it's meaningful and it, and it really helps people get into it, I guess, in some ways. Another thing that I liked was the, um,
1: the way he does... Uh, How do I... I'm trying to think of what they're called in here. Basically, things like, you know, like a canyon in the ground or something. Or like a tightrope is one of the examples that he gives.
0: Are you talking about barriers? Barriers, yeah.
1: I think they're called barriers, yeah.
0: Something that you need to get past. Something that
1: you need to get past. Basically, I like how easy it is to... uh, It's basically if you have the ability... Score. Then you get past it. If not, then you can't pass it until right. you know somebody helps you or whatever. I think that that in play
0: would speed things up a lot. Yeah, and in fact, they have rules for determining how many people can work together to get past, over a barrier or past a barrier or to right. break a lock, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. How how much you can how many players can pull their ability scores in order to break a single lock, and that makes sense because you know. Eight people can't really work together to break a lock, but maybe two people can. Yeah. So once again it's it's very much linked to the idea of would this work in not in the real world, but would this work in whatever rough facsimile of the real world we're trying to create, you know, in right. whatever fantasy world we're going to create. Does this pass some basic plausibility test test mm-hmm. which um which definitely helps. Uh, once again, with immersion, which I think is really everything in Alara. Mm-hmm. So, how about the the modular nature of this—the fact that you have all these abilities that you can give or take, and that you have all these advantages and disadvantages that you can use to modify what the ability does, how powerful it is, and also how much it costs to buy. How did you feel about that?
2: The overall um, construction of like. Um... How to create abilities like the uh, the formula he uses mm-hmm. is pretty sound. It doesn't yeah, require yeah. that much. Um, I mean, you still you, you need to do some math there, but I'm tr- in terms of overall like confusion, there's very little, and it's very it's very simple on that part. So that one, you know, bonus to, to him. Uh, but um, the, the 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 thing I always have trouble with uh, with games like this, the modular style, is basically the design is based on a lot of catch-all situations mm-hmm. and because of that sometimes things can be missing that people that you know the author did not see coming like the use of vehicles and such maybe that was just a personal choice for the whole safety thing mm-hmm. um, yeah but um, you know there there are ways you can safely use stuff like vehicles but the, the whole point is because of those catch-all ways there there are things that can you uh, not be included because of uh you know because of not you know of not thinking of those possibilities. And so yeah. and then also the overall bloat of the system because you have to do an initial read through in order to understand everything and then you'll have to cherry pick as you progress, you know, making yeah. your version of the LARP. So those are the only two really negatives I have about any generic system like this is that there's a lot of info to go through and then you'll have to yeah. take your time to go through that and then cherry pick. Based yeah on what they that, want
0: wants. that's absolutely true the, this may be very pick up and play for the players but for the gm there's a lot of choices that you need to make here and there, there's a lot of decisions that the gm needs to make in order to ensure that the game is going to be the game he wants to play and that it's going to be functional and that people are going to enjoy themselves and so the gm can't just it's not like a module or a simple game where the GM doesn't need to do much prep work. Right. And that I guess could be a barrier to entry, especially if you're not experienced in GMing LARPs. Yeah.
2: Yeah, It's like an expert manual instead of a, uh, you know, basic level manual. You're kind of like, like a mechanic in a manual. That's what I mean. Right.
0: Right. Right. Rudy, how did you feel about the modular nature of it? I basically thought that a lot of the abilities um,
1: were very catch-all, like Alex said. Mm. But I thought I felt that was a good thing because most of them can actually be used for more. There are also like clever ways to use the stuff, and I think that finding those ways would be really fun. You know, just from the character creation we did. So yeah. um, I'd say I I really like. How I think it's just the right level of modular. And in the back where he gives the uh the table for the genres. Mm. I think that's important to have that for GMs like he said that are new to GMing of ARC or and he lays it out pretty well. He lays out each genre pretty you know yeah. pretty effectively, so
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. One thing that's really cool, I think, about the modular nature of the game is that the game is designed not only to run, like, self-contained high fantasy games and self-contained historical games and self-contained sci-fi games, but it's designed so that you could take a character, your favorite character, from any one of those games and then do a mashup and actually have all of those characters together in the same space using the same rules. and he mentions a Neanderthal fighting a Jedi, and I thought, yes. <laughs> you know, but there, there are so many ways you can use that. And, yeah, you have to be mindful of the power of the characters, but that's the only thing you have to be mindful of. You don't have to be mindful of setting specific abilities because the abilities right. are kept generic. You don't have to be mindful of anything else. You just have to make sure that the power balance is, is right, or that the players are fine with there being a power imbalance, and then you can have a Neanderthal fight a Jedi using the same system in the in a physical space as a larp, and everything can be cool. And I think that's I think that's great. All the possibilities there, and you can really this way you can larp out like all of your favorite fanboy arguments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like Superman versus Batman. Let's LARP it. And let's LARP it using an actual physical skill to determine if Batman can hit you with his battering. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, man, that would be fun to see uh, somebody try to play the Flash. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially if, you know, Aquaman just happens to be more physically fit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so i thought that was pretty cool well we're actually pushing 45 minutes at this point i'm sure when alex edits out all of our ums and our moments when we uh repeated ourselves or fucked up or whatever it's going to go down lower but anyway so I, i think that um it's time to start thinking about wrapping up our discussion of glass so final thoughts on glass alex
2: it serves its purpose I personally would probably not Play this game often Or at least with the current uh, Some of the current rules
0: Because Alex is a little self Conscious
2: No because <laughs> I, I know it's stupid but It's 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 retard fun which is why I said 10 and below People played, played LARPs mm-hmm. all the time
1: Rudy I would play this game and uh, I would like it
2: yeah.
1: Um, I think it's a good intro to LARPing for mm. people who've never done it before. Uh, the closest I've been to LARP is basically Mom's Basement Garage LARP, <laughs> <laughs> which is, I don't know, it's kind of like this, but without the safety rules. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think it's a great intro to LARPing, and
0: uh, I'd like to see it develop even more. Yeah, this made me want to LARP, which is pretty amazing. I mean, I guess it's not that amazing because once again, Mom's Basement karai's LARP. But this made me want to LARP in the company of other human beings. And anything that makes me want to do anything in the company of other human beings is amazing. (laughs) So anyway, um, so Rudy kind of set the stage for our second discussion when he was talking about our old days, LARPing in my garage, uh, which is unsafe gaming. Gaming without a net, or putting yourself in danger while playing an RPG. And there are really two ways to look at this, right? There's gaming that is physically unsafe, where you might actually hurt your body. And then there's (laughs) games that are emotionally unsafe, where you might hurt your feelings. (laughs) yep
2: which one do you want to start
0: with i think we should start with physically unsafe gaming yeah yeah because i have a feeling all we're going to say about physically un- or excuse me emotionally unsafe gaming is <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> anyway um uh, yeah. for the physical portion of it i think a lot of it has to do with what could potentially happen versus uh what will actually happen because, I mean, if you look at a lot of these games, there's a lot of potential uh, you know, hurting that could go on. Like, if you have dice, you could chuck dice. That's a projectile, sir. You could take out eyeballs with that kind of stuff. But in reality, that's probably never going to happen. So I, th- I think understanding the potential uh, is, is, a, is a much, you know, in the reality, that's, that's kind of a big deal.
0: Alex, have you ever hurt yourself playing an RPG?
2: Uh, no, I haven't. Physically? No? No, wait, wait, wait. Oh. Hold on, hold on. If you mean by LARPs, yes, I have.
0: You mean playing as a kid? Exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but in an actual pen and paper one where you sit down, nope, never happened. And that's because um, the second part that I wanted to get at, but I wanted to wait for your response,
3: mm-hmm.
2: that's what I was going to refer to. There's other times where it can be potentially dangerous.
0: Yeah. All right. I've think- I don't know. I don't know how to broach this topic of physically unsafe gaming. Because I get the impression that most people don't engage in that at all. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I understand that some LARPing that... Ha- I mean, I, I think maybe it goes back to, um, you know, the Steam Tunnel myth. I think there yeah. are people who are just so afraid that their game is going to become you know, the next Jack Chick comic or whatever, that they just don't even want to go there. They don't even want to enter a space where someone might get hurt. And then, you know, people have a natural aversion to physical pain, and people in general don't want to spend their Saturdays, you know, uh, breaking their arms and legs when they could be sitting around a table eating Cheetos. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. but So I think it's hard to... Get someone into that kind of full contact playing.
1: I think, um, well, having played hide and seek a lot when I was a kid,
0: or Black Panther, as you used to or call Black
1: it. It was called. <laughs> um, I think it's it's fairly easy to get people. Um, in fact, maybe I think more easy e- getting people to sit at a table and create shit. Mm-hmm. Um, when you frame it as like a childhood game or something like that, or you have parts, you integrate parts of that into your. Um, and I think the having physical stuff might actually be a good way to get new players into shit, it's
3: uh, even physically if
1: physically demanding and stuff. Stuff, yeah, I mean stuff that's not necessarily one. 100% safe, but, you know, like, everybody's done it as a kid, like, you know, climbing trees and, you know, running around, falling snow sledding, that kind of stuff.
2: All right, so one, you know, one thing I would probably include for that physical um, physical safety kind of thing is um, I know one time people would like to use props every now and then for their uh, yeah. physical activities there, and um, this is the most easiest uh you know go like a no duh situation but bringing actual weapons (laughs) yeah (laughs) which has actually happened you know in a few of the games i played where someone would bring a real knife and pretend as he was a thief
1: and and and
2: play around with it on the table (laughs) as if it was cool
1: oh there you go did he stab anyone with it
2: uh no but um definitely did not make me feel at ease Hmm. (laughs) Because it was right. it was not just you know like keep it around himself and then like you know sheath it when it was you know when he was not you know acting like he was getting ready to stab somebody it was him playing with it the entire time.
1: Right. And that that's... sounds like a recipe for awesome. Right. <laughs>
2: exact A recipe for awesome. Yeah. Uh.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I guess no one wants to have to wear a helmet or a flak jacket to play a tabletop role playing game.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: But, you know, I, I... yeah, Rudy.
1: Well, I was just going to say, uh, what about games that we've played that turn physically unsafe? We turned, I mean, we talked about the Mom's Basement uh, RPG.
0: <laughs> yeah. But uh,
1: what, uh, what about that? Have we ever hurt ourselves? You know, who's, who's hurt themselves playing an RPG here?
0: I have. Uh, I've skinned my leg up pretty nicely. And I didn't even notice it until after the game was over.
1: <laughs> now, have you designed any games that are um, physically unsafe or might promote physically unsafe activity?
0: I haven't, but I know you have, Rudy, and that you're setting no, it up. No, you haven't? I haven't. I thought
1: Dance Macabre might be sort of physically demanding, maybe. Depending on how hard you LARP it, and we always LARP it hard. That's true. Because we're hardcore.
0: But I don't think at its core there's anything really physically um, dangerous about Dance Macabre. I mean, basically, Dance Macabre is a game where you put on music, you walk around and sort of LARP out what you're doing, but also kind of restlessly move around while someone's playing death and he's moving between you. And you have cards in your hand that you can't see. They're in, inside envelopes. And death is moving the cards back and forth and one of those envelopes contains the death card and then death stops the music everyone stops they open their envelopes and they see if their character just died um and we have had instances where that got pretty hard car where the way we were moving about the, the physical space of the room uh you know people were sliding around on the floor or people were dancing or jumping or or whatever uh, and there was a moment in the game where I actually had I almost spit directly in Rudy's face and then I stopped and yeah. said no that'd be that'd be too much huh. but uh, yeah so there's moments like that in the game but I don't think the game itself calls for any kind of unsafe play. Hmm. Uh, another game is six page manual which hasn't yeah. been released yet that is designed to be played in a larpy way for it's supposed to be like improv acting and you're up and you're goofing around and we've had moments where that has gotten pretty physic really physical too but there's nothing in the game that says this is a contact part whereas rudy you designed a game called Hopspo- hopscotch which is physically uns, which is so physically unsafe to play <laughs> that we haven't even played it
1: we haven't tested it out yet but uh yeah, basically, this game is a game where you play, uh, you play Jewish victims in a concentration camp, and uh, they're basically sitting around getting drunk on their last night to be alive. And basically, the devil comes to them, or well, it's it might be the devil. What might be the devil comes to them and uh, gives them the option to play. Hopscotch on the Sephiroth, which is uh, actually something from the Jewish Kabbalah that looks a whole lot like a hopscotch board, <laughs> and uh, and uh, basically they can live out their fantasies and their desires and do anything they want, you know, for that one night by uh, by playing the game, the Devil's game, of hopscotch. But the way the mechanics work is basically. You uh, say what you want to do,
3: yeah,
1: and then the GM spins you around a number of times, and then you have to jump on the hopscotch board um, in a way that the GM instructs, basically uh, <laughs> until you fall, <laughs> right? Until you fall off of it, and if you fall, then you lose, basically. <laughs> and uh, this game is I, we've never we've never play tested it, although. Uh, it may have actually been played by some of the people on RPG. What is it? RPG, uh, not RPG Net, but the other one. Okay,
0: the RPG. RPG stuff? Geek. No, oh, RPG. RPG. Geek. Okay.
1: I, I think somebody there may have actually played it because he said he was going to take it to Dragon Con and try to bust it out in the lines. I never got back to him to <laughs> mention to see if he actually did it or not. Right. But uh, but there's there's also a mechanic where you throw cold water on people.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, somebody on the comments section of the the game, they had written, you know, it's all cold water and ass-kicking. So So maybe they played it. Maybe
0: they played it, but I don't know. But, But, yeah. Yeah. Why haven't we played that game anyway? I mean, I was worried about getting grass-stained on my pants, honestly. I wasn't worried about hurting myself. I was afraid my pants would get grass-stained, and I wouldn't have $10 to buy another (laughs) black pair of Walmart slacks.
1: (laughs) Basically... I thought we hadn't played it because of Gary.
0: <laughs> oh, and Gary, too, and his bad <laughs> hip and all of that. Yeah. And Mike, I think. Is and not...
1: Mike, yeah. Mike's, Mike's not the most coordinated. <laughs> but, I mean, none of us are, no. really. So, I mean, we. I don't think Mike would get fucked up playing
2: it. Tangent but... aside. Right. Yep. Well, what's your point? <laughs> uh,
0: his point is he designed a physically unsafe game. Okay. Or a game where physical being physically unsafe was fundamental to playing the game It was a fundamental part of the rules of the game okay so uh, let me let me ask you this what about physically assaulting someone? <laughs>
2: oh yeah with uh, nerf guns
0: well, or you I mean like actual punching ner- them? Uh, we have had games where I don't know if we've ever had anyone really you know close fists punch anyone but we have had games where we slapped each other. Or grabbed each other and shook each other, or uh, crawled into the other person's lap, which I, I guess could be, <laughs> which I guess could be sexual assault. <laughs> yeah. And no I don't
1: forget the game of uh, Needs of the Few, where you actually spit on uh, Tom.
0: <laughs> oh, did I spit on Tom? I think I yeah, remember not...
1: when when you were playing of uh, what did she, she had cerebral palsy or something? Oh, It okay. yeah. was her, her deal? But yeah. Basically, she was drooling all over the place, and he drooled a couple of times, and it was awesome.
0: Oh, yeah. That's true. And Tom, there was some really... I'm trying to think. There was a, a time we played six-page manual, something with me and Tom that got really, like, questionable. Yeah. I can't remember what exactly... Oh, I think I, I swallowed Tom's spit, or someone's spit. Oh, yeah.
1: It's, it's,
0: I, I don't know, but... I've yeah. had
1: my pants pulled down in a six-page manual and pulled but, off. I mean, so, true. yeah. <laughs>
0: that's like, true. So the number of our listeners who would be willing to play in a convention with us has now dropped <laughs> from zero to zero. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's been a lot of, like, physical, physical accosting of other people.
3: Yeah.
0: Oh, and by the way, I've never crawled into anyone's lap unless I was sure they were comfortable with it. <laughs> Actually I think I've only crawled into Rudy's lap Maybe
3: mm.
2: Maybe
0: But yeah I mean I don't know Alex How would you feel if you were playing With people who were behaving like that During the game
2: Well as long as I get to make out with them That's fine with me <laughs> As long as I can up the ante
1: Even if it was a guy oh.
2: Hmm what would, if we, It depends if it would make them uncomfortable if oh, I could yeah. make them feel uncomfortable, that would be even better. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really all that matters. Especially if you're playing a game like that, if, if, if there's there's a there's a lot of um social ang- there's a lot of anxiety between like you know the mindsets when it comes to that when it comes to physical things like you know crawling into someone's lap. So Mm -hmm. if they're willing to do that, you might as well go over the top and just, you know, not maybe full on tongue. Who knows? But just, you know, peck (laughs) on the cheek, you know, like if your grandma to, you know, to the little boy, you know, saying, oh, you aren't you cute? You know, thing like that, just to see, like, how they would go, because then they could be a whole nother game that involves boners, accidental ones.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, I, I think there is something really liberating about playing in that kind of unsafe way.
2: Oh yeah, actually uh, I, I made a game about that. Really? That's right. I did make a game about that. Really? Yeah, because yeah. it was a it's it's a it's it's in design. It's not fully completed there because you know, oh, I have not yeah. written it down. Yeah. You but did. it has to do uh, this this is a good example of, you know, maybe going too far with the <laughs> physical aspect of, you know, of, of messing with people the not safe for play, if you will. Mm-hmm. Basically, it was called it, it's called Rough Around the Edges. And what, what happens is you play as a normal human being. Well, one of the characters, one of the players do. They play a normal human and the other person plays an animal like a dog or a cat. And mm-hmm. you each take turns trying to be the most adorable in the, in the scene. And right. uh, you basically have to just one up each other in how adorable you can be. And a lot of people consider that like, you know, like nudging against like, you know, their leg. You're like, oh, isn't that adorable? A cat, you know, going up and purring against my leg. But it's a human being doing that. <laughs> right. And, and, it, and it's more of a question about, like, how, you know, we let animals get away with so much that if <laughs> other humans did it to us, we would freak out.
0: It would be sad, yeah. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the idea of having a game where you, you're given permission to do that is kind of fun. So that's, that's one one that I did, where it's both physical and emotional at the same time.
0: Right, right. <laughs> And there is something liberating about that, right? I mean, in in real life, out of character, I'm a very physically restrained human being, physically and emotionally for the most part. You know, I was like, "Uh, oh, not going to, you know, keep my physical distance with other human beings. I'm not a dude who even really likes eye contact." <laughs> but like in a situation like that where it's like you're in character and you get to do all sorts of things you wouldn't normally be able to do cross all sorts of boundaries you wouldn't able, normally be able to cross and see how you feel about that. I think there's something um cool about that which maybe launches us into the question of emotionally unsafe play. Play yeah. that might hurt someone's feelings.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um th- this would basically be your uh, your overall topics. Like uh you know not that everything else it doesn't really matter too much but
0: well, when you say you're over all topics, are you talking about bringing things like sexual assault or racism or, uh, you know, um, pedophilia or, or things like that? Is that what you're talking about? Uh,
2: all four plus whatever you haven't
0: mentioned. Plus all kinds of different crime and... Different... Yeah, anything
2: that could be, uh, you know, sensitive to the people of... But, but that, you guys have already answered that kind of thing. It's, you know, big world. Yeah, we've
0: talked about that before. We've talked about that a lot. Uh, but there's also... I mean, that's not necessarily, though, emotionally unsafe play. Because that's totally contingent upon who you have in your group. If you have the three of us in your group, none of that is emotionally unsafe. Because we know that we're not going to offend anyone if we talk about that, right? If I If I add even oh my god pedophilia to our game the only thing someone might say is ah oh, well you know we're kind of playing a high fantasy role playing game here about you know about going through the dungeons of moria is there a reason why your character is a pedophile <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like it kind of took me out of the game for a moment but no one is going to be emotionally hurt or, or deeply offended by the fact that that content was brought into the game. So that's not really emotionally unsafe play. But what if you brought something into the game that could potentially be personally hurtful for one of the people in the game, maybe integrate something that, you know, was a bad experience from their own life in the game. Mm-hmm. Something like that, okay. you know, and that's where it becomes emotionally unsafe where you have an instance when you know what you were talking about could potentially upset someone who is playing with you right then and there. Because, of course, anything is going to potentially upset someone not at the table right now. When you're talking about something that could push buttons for someone who's there playing with you, that's when it becomes emotionally unsafe play. And that's when people start talking about lines and veils and I will not abandon you versus nobody gets hurt and all of that. But really, how do you feel about that? How do you guys feel about bringing that kind of content into the game?
1: My policy is basically don't do anything that would get you punched in the face by Gary. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um,
1: and that's pretty much it. I mean, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, obviously, when you're playing with your friends, I mean, because you know the people, I mean there's a chance that you could bring up something that might, you know, hurt them or, you know, something from their life or whatever. But uh, generally we try to stay away from that or I try to stay away from that anyway. <laughs> and, yeah. You... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I guess it's weird because this is a case where maybe playing with people at a con might <laughs> actually be easier than playing with your friends and some to do it for some types of games. I mean, like games that demand, maybe some games that demand that you use parts of your real life, maybe. And uh, because your friends know a lot about you and know, you know, know your dark secrets and whatnot. And uh, I don't know, some people are just uncomfortable with that, with bringing that kind of stuff up. I'm really not, but I think it's just a case where maybe it kind of depends on the game a lot.
2: Yeah, because there's um, what you, when you're referring to that convention style stuff, there, a lot of that has to do with um, it's you're kind of anonymous since you yeah. know you're not yeah. with any of your friends and uh they're not gonna be around to you know give you a grief about it later on, so it's kind of like therapy basically. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Where where yeah. all of them are your therapists in that one session instead. So, so you know if you need a cheap you know therapist, you know just start going to conventions, just start meeting random strangers for games. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know un you know unsanctioned therapy. You know. Well, yeah, but yeah, a lot of the times it's it's kind of strange because, like yeah, like you were saying, Rudy. Um, if you know some people have issues with these things, and like you're not. If you wanted to try and solve these problems you know i can understand some people who go like you know maybe i should do it in a different approach where if we do make believe they're more likely to want to you know solve this issue in their life that they have a problem with mm. and that one's severely tricky because um that actually happens quite a bit in some of these role-playing games where like they want to teach a lesson to somebody like you know like you know the power gm i'm going to teach you to stop being such a dick and so i'm going to use uh, a personal story uh, in in the middle of the game in order to try and, uh, you know, make you feel bad and all that kind of stuff to make you you know, feel what it's like to be against a power GM. Um, and I mean, like, I've done that myself, like, you know, controlling <laughs> episode, but I didn't go severely far. It was just a like the level of um, seriousness was not there uh, to the point where it could actually cause like emotional damage at least I felt that, and I also know the person, and I knew that wasn't going to really, you know, make them go, eh, you know, and start crying on the inside. Um, So, yeah, a lot of the times, you, it, it's just, like, if you want to purposely bring it up, it's like, mm-hmm. there's got to be good intentions behind it, because uh, the only thing that separates you from, you know, making a feud, uh, you know, a personal vendetta against the other person <laughs> with, the, with the scenario is the intentions. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, it
0: on the most, I guess, I mean, I would actually like to see more games that integrated troubling things from people's personal lives into the play of the game. Things that could be offensive, not offensive, maybe um, like potentially disturbing parts. I would like to see more games that actively tried to emotionally unsettle the people at the table using stuff from their own personal lives. There's actually a game that sort of enters into this territory called For Mature Audiences. I don't remember the designer's name off the top of my head, I was just trying to Google it. David
1: Artman. David Really? Yep, it's the guy who uh,
0: we just played as Art. (laughs) And it comes full circle. Yep. (laughs) But I I thought that, I, I actually played that game once. We didn't play it using the full written rules. And the rules of the game don't actually specify that you need to use stuff from your actual honest to goodness personal life. It's more about having these characters, uh, creating these emotionally damaged characters and, um, prodding them and poking at them and, and, um, getting at, you know, getting that emotional stuff, that baggage out into the open for those characters. But it sort of kind of implies that you should, there should be some basis in your own life in the character you create, or that it should get at issues that you personally have some kind of connection to. And I thought that was a really cool idea. I really wish he had taken that even farther in some ways. But I would like to see more games (laughs) where (laughs) passive-aggressive social... um, social jockeying or we're where not even that where people take their own baggage and dump it on the table because a lot of people do that anyway in rpgs you know a lot of people spend their time at the table trying not to let their personal baggage get out but still trying to find catharsis at the table you know still trying to find catharsis in this rpg but not let out what you're really trying to find catharsis for you know what you're trying to overcome and I would like an RPG that was designed specifically to deal with real-life emotion, the real-life emotional baggage of the people who are playing the game where you reenact painful scenes from your own life (laughs) and you fucking deal with them (laughs) but yeah you can you can tell that I have in fact brought people's real shit into the game at the table and brought my own real shit into the game
2: so you are those people that like to use the group as therapy
0: well i think that a lot of i've found the groups that i've played in are already using the game as therapy mm-hmm you know they're using the game to get away from something else they don't want to deal with or they're using the game to get out bad emotions or they're using the game as an opportunity to be violent without hurting anyone or to be antisocial without being lectured for being antisocial. And I say, yeah, that's cool. I have no problem with that. That's good that the game can serve those purposes. But why not take it a step farther and go beyond that and say, okay, so what's really fucking going on? And have that acted out in the form of a role-playing game. Where the role you're playing is yourself at a, a different moment in time. Okay. Or someone else. Or even a game where you someone tells you, you know, this happened you know, this happened to me, I had this traumatic incident, and then you play them, and they play the perpetrator, I mean, that kind of role, or, or they play someone else involved, I mean, that kind of role playing actually is integrated into actual therapy sometimes, and why not make a game of it, too? But, I, I'm not, uh, I think, I think, obviously, like Rudy said, you don't want anyone to leave the table in now, I was gonna say you don't want anyone to leave the table in tears, but that's not necessarily true. You don't want anyone leaving the t- table in tears if they if they feel like they were coerced into leaving the table in tears. If they feel like they came to play a happy game and now you brought up all this personal shit and they're sad and they're and they're overwhelmed and you just you just uh you just emotionally attack them. You don't want that, but you also don't necessarily want the game to be safe in any sense of the term. If if everyone comes there knowing that they could leave the game feeling hurt, I think sometimes the end result of that can be more interesting and healthy and productive and 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 altogether better than going there and playing something that doesn't bring up any of those emotions or any of that subject matter. know. Huh. Well, you don't want to get punched in the face unless, of course, it's a game about punching people in the
2: face. Yeah, the boxing LARP game.
0: <laughs> and and you don't want to get punched in the face unless it's a mom's basement garage LARP, in which case you probably will get punched in the face. But but <laughs> your nose won't be broken, hopefully.
2: Oh, you know what this means now? Yeah. We need to do a mosh pit game.
3: Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: all right without further ado yep so that was that was it any final thoughts on unsafe play alex as the
2: okay basically you'll know when you've gone too far and pissed somebody off and as long as you don't start fisticuffs um everything's okay with what you do oh and the obvious the stupid shit like uh, bringing knives in the middle of a role playing game which could potentially you know, hurt people by cutting them
0: yeah, put the, we- yeah put the fucking weapons away Rudy <laughs> Rudy who we've had to disarm at moments well he when we would play in my garage there was an axe there and he would we'd have to hide the axe before we started playing so Rudy wouldn't pick it up <laughs> He never actually attacked anyone with the axe. We were always worried he was going to, like, drop it and hurt himself or that he was going to swing it around and accidentally cut someone. So we had to take the axe away from Rudy. Rudy, any final thoughts? Um, not
1: really. Just don't get punched in the face by Gary. That's about it.
0: Yeah, because Gary can punch fucking hard. Yeah, you can. Gary's a big guy. So yeah, that that would be the thing. Um, I don't have any, much to say that I haven't already said. Unsafe play is cool. I like to play unsafe. Yeah. I design... Uns- I like to design games that might make people cry. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm an emotional bully. <laughs> so that... That was Mom's basement podcast. <laughs> Yay! Mike coming out? Oh. Well. What? Oh. Well, Alex not, is already I'm not going to remove yeah. it.
2: I'm waiting for you guys to say we're done.
0: Are we done? Rudy, are we done?
1: Yes. We're fucking done. We're done because I have to go to McDonald's and get a burger, a greasy fucking burger, and eat it.
0: Well, shit, that's an emergency. Yeah, it is.
1: <laughs> dude, well, I fucking. I'm yeah. like shadow run people. I run fucking ops for McDonald's.
0: Dude. Ops for Mickey D. I'm well,. Fucking, Since this is a career thing, we don't want you to lose your job, Rudy. Um, I guess it's fucking over. It's done. Mike coming out. Oh. Oh. Is that it? Alex?
1: (laughs) Oh, no. Alex may have died. Oh,
2: shit. I guess we're a little too unsafe. No, I just like you guys... I like how you guys squirm, but I just stopped saying anything. It's like, <laughs> oh, we got it. Does he want us to keep talking before we just stop? what